So, how should we describe our friendship? I don't even know. Is this soulmates? <laughs> <laughs> Two halves of one whole. <laughs> to teaching miss g once again it is me gabby you should know this by now but if you don't (laughs) welcome (laughs) if you don't welcome today i have a special guest who i'm pretty sure i didn't tell you guys who it was going to be last week because i wanted it to be a mystery so now drum roll welcome cassie netter much what an introduction (laughs) how thrilling for those of you who did not listen to my first episode cassie is in fact my best friend who is also a genius let's not get ahead of ourselves i've just bamboozled everyone into thinking i'm a lot smarter than i am and by everyone, she means a law school and MIT. <laughs> it's all a blur. Honestly. <laughs> she might be the first lawyer in space. <laughs> Unclear. <laughs> I'm looking at you, Elon Musk. <laughs> so, we, um, I won't lie. We already recorded the whole thing. It's true. It is almost midnight on a Friday. We're post-second Bevragino. We've been talking for an hour and 36 minutes right now. We've had ourselves a time and then we realized at the end of that time that we did not record an introduction (laughs) because there was a lot of excitement happening in the beginning of the podcast. My dogs were trying to fight a coyote. We were doing face masks. It was thrilling. It was. It was a good time. We've had fun. Um, So now... Somewhere along the lines of my editing, we're going to get to a nice transition point where I'll explain what we're going to talk about. But for right now, this is going to count as our introduction. Um, So let's start. So let me think. Our friendship? Let's see. We've been friends since... Let's give the history. Yeah. Let's start from the beginning. Uh, (laughs) When did we first meet? (laughs) Oh, it was a cold, brisk day in September. (laughs) Right after Labor Day. I believe the the Wednesday after Labor Day. It was a half day, as it always is. (laughs) First day of school. (laughs) First start, seventh grade. (laughs) It was thrilling. We were young and so full of anxiety. Oh yeah, we had we were young. (laughs) We had these lovely green plaid skirts. They went down to our knees. They were wool. Uh, That was before we started rolling them like the cool kids. We had some excellent knee high skirt uh, shorts, socks. Socks. The socks. (laughs) The socks were knee high, not our shorts. (laughs) All right. (laughs) We had cute little white polos, and we had. Nice green sweatshirts that said Ursuline Academy. And then they got rid of those, which was the worst thing. Devastating, because they were so comfortable. Imagine just wearing a sweatshirt to school. I guess if you all went to public school, you could. Um, Wild. (laughs) We weren't granted those freedoms. (laughs) Yes, no. Although, shout out to Mrs. Keeney if you're listening. She did change it, so we were allowed to wear jeans on dress down days. So that was fabulous. Love her. Incredible. She still checks in on our Facebook. It's true. She's a very loyal Instagram follower. Dr. Rodwan, Mrs. Curtis. Our our favorite homies. Mrs. Petty. My favorites. 
the only people I would go back to the ACAD for. Yes. I would relive those days to sit through one more of their classes, give them a little bit of grief, and then watch them laugh. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> That's how we became friends. Yeah. No, I believe we became friends in seventh grade. How? Um, I think Salem. Because I think that was like October. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. The Salem trip, which we still have a picture from, which is my favorite picture Ooh, to show yeah. people. Because <laughs> no one can pick out which ones are us. <laughs> <laughs> it's perfect. <laughs> I had someone confident in <laughs> to a different girl <laughs> in the photo and say, that's you. And I went, nope. <laughs> It is the awkward, unfortunate <laughs> child next to her. <laughs> Iconic. I sent it to my boyfriend a few weeks ago just to remind him that he's lucky that he got me at this stage in my life. <laughs> and that he didn't miss much before. <laughs> Always got to keep him on his toes, remind him to be thankful. <laughs> thankful, grateful blessed all of the above but yes there was a Salem trip in like October so we still didn't really know anybody and me Gabby and our friend Anna all signed up for it and and the rest is history yeah we all hung out that day and we had a grand old time mm-hmm. and then we were in the same homeroom in eighth grade and that really solidified mm-hmm. our separation <laughs> and her last name is Ryan and my last name is Netter so we were wicked close together in homeroom mm-hmm so it was perfect. Yeah, it always worked out that we were sitting somewhat close to each other and then they couldn't change the seats because it was homegrown. <laughs> yeah, it was too late. <laughs> I think some of my favorite Gabby Homer memories are um, our sophomore year, no, freshman year? Freshman year when we had Mr. Mayer, also miss him, an excellent oh, gem from the academy. He was a wonderful man. And every day Gabby was like five minutes late and she'd walk in and she'd blame her dad and then her dad showed up for parent-teacher conferences. <laughs> Hey, George, we gotta talk. Gabby's always late, and I know it's your fault. (laughs) And my dad was so embarrassed. He was like, you told your teacher? I was like, I don't want to get in trouble for being late every day when you drive me. It's quite literally not my fault. (laughs) It's true. And then it was my fault because I would always wake up late. But... I would, I would blame my father's driving. <laughs> Makes too much sense. I'm like, sense. George, if you blew that red light, we would have been there in time. I know I overslept by 30 minutes, but if you just floored it... <laughs> we would have totally made it in time. Truly iconic. Which, again, the best part of our friendship has been the fact that our fathers are now also friends. It's true. There is nothing better than a Bob and George hangout. It's rare. They're few and far between. But when they do, it's like... Quality over quantity. Exactly. They sit, they chat for hours, Mm -hmm. drink a beer. Talk about sports. Yeah, whenever we have, like, family get-togethers of her family and my family, I think our parents have more fun than we do, honestly. They 100% do. Yeah. But also, the best part is that they became friends because both of us, if you want to know how big of nerds we were, (laughs) um, we were on the speech team. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Didn't play one single sport. (laughs) (laughs) Excuse me? I managed field hockey. (laughs) You're right. I got two varsity letters for that. I was on the golf team in middle school and then quit so that I could dance. That's true. Uh, This is very true. But our dads, basically the way speech works is a bunch of nerds volunteer their weekends to talk 
I call it acting for lonely people because you put on an entire 10-minute one-man play where you play every single (laughs) character and you have to have different voices and different positions for each of them. So just Mm -hmm. imagine like these nerdy little high school kids like popping back and forth. Like they jump to one side and they like talk like this and then they jump to the other side and they're a pretty little girl. (laughs) And that's our Saturdays. (laughs) And also... Everybody has to be dressed in business attire. <laughs> like, not business casual. Suits. <laughs> yes. Suits. Like, we had pencil skirts mm-hmm. and button downs. Oh, yeah. You had to have a blazer. Oh, my God. It was awful. It was wild. And you had to keep your um, whole one-man play in this teeny, tiny little black binder. And if you didn't have the black binder, um, you lost points. <laughs> <laughs> And if you didn't look at the binder, you lost points. But oh, if you yeah. looked at the binder too much, you also you lost, lost points. points. It's basically a mind game. But because we were nerds and we participated in such events, um, our dads had to come because for every team there had to be a certain number of volunteers because no one willingly judges <laughs> these. Yeah, so they for every to- five people that we had, or every five entries that we had, so even if one person was competing in two categories, that was two entries. So every five entries, you had to bring one parent as a judge. And George and Bob were always signed up as the judges. They and refused to do it if the other one wasn't coming. Exactly. Anytime I said, Dad, can you do it this weekend? He would go, well, is Bob going? <laughs> and my dad would go, I'm only doing it if George is there. Exactly. So that is how they became friends, was partially because their daughters are friends and partially through shared trauma. <laughs> it's true. And they, they were good judges, too, because some of the judges took it, like, aggressively seriously. And our dads were like, damn, that kid was funny. <laughs> First yeah. place. And the rest of them were like, well, your hip wasn't popped out enough when you switched characters, so I don't know. Exactly. Fifth place, please go die. <laughs> <laughs> yup, that's pretty much it. That's how I remember it. It was a wild ride. But, um, yeah, so if you wanted to know how Cassie and I became such good friends, it's because that's how we spend our free time. It was thrilling. (laughs) Exhilarating. (laughs) Some would say we peaked. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) The sad part is some people did. (laughs) Yeah, thank God we didn't. (laughs) We had a good time there. One time I signed us up for an event because it sounded exciting. And we didn't know what it was supposed to be. Um, Shout out Eleni Haberis and Brittany O'Malley. They also joined us for this event. I roped a lot of people into it. Wonderful team. Um, We showed up 30 minutes late to our first round. So let's get that straight first. And then we showed up um, and we discovered what it was. And basically they gave you these news articles and you had to come up with a five minute, had to be between four minutes and 55 seconds and five minutes and five seconds. Like a five minute like news story about it. Like you were like on TV. And so when we say that there was no description given, it's called TV News Team. (laughs) And they gave us a full paragraph. (laughs) We just didn't read it. (laughs) They gave us instructions, but we didn't care and asked a bunch of boys who we were competing against because they were all nerdy boys so this group of four high school girls asked them what they were supposed to be doing was like a dream come true for them so they gave us all their highlighters (laughs) they did we had nothing we had no (laughs) pens no pen so basically they gave you articles and your job was to sift through them and create your own five minute newsreel um, and it's supposed to be like a serious reel. It's supposed like to be serious. as if you are a newscaster and they're recording. That's what, it, and it's supposed to include different elements, different people speak. That's why it's a team of four. Um, and we said, let's turn this bitch into SNL. So 
it basically became the weekend update where we <laughs> talked about Mother Russia. Oh my god. We sang songs. <laughs> we turned it into a skit. And we ended up winning. We the got whole first category. place. And I had been telling everybody all day we were gonna get first place, like as a joke, because we didn't know what we were doing. And the other thing is you can't watch other people compete in this category. So we had no idea that we were doing it wrong until yeah. the final round. And so like we literally like I've been telling everybody all day, like, oh, like we're gonna win, like as a joke, because we were 30 minutes late and didn't know what we were doing. And then all of a sudden we broke to finals and our coach was like joking with us. And he was, shout out Dean, another one that got us through the academy. He is a wonderful person. He really did. I should have him as a guest. You should. He'd he's be a, a good very one. interesting man. Yeah, he's got a lot going on. Um, but so he's like, okay, like you guys are going to get last round if you made it to the final, last place if you made it to the finals. And we ended up like literally, there's a video of us somewhere. I literally like fell on the team on stage. Because we were on, and that's, I like blacked out during yeah. that period of time because I just could not believe they kept announcing teams. It was like fifth place and it wasn't us. And I was like, oh my God, we got fourth. That's so good. <laughs> yeah. And then they announced fourth place and it wasn't us. And I was like, oh my God, we got third. That's <laughs> so good. And then it wasn't us. And I was like, holy shit, we might have won. It was insane. And like, the entire day, it was us joking that we were going to win and Dean telling us there was absolutely no way. Our coach. Yeah. Our coach is looking <laughs> at us saying, you guys are dumb. <laughs> no He's way. like, you idiots wasted $5 each paying for this event. <laughs> And, and then, then the best part was the all-boys school. We were, like, friends with, the, like, everybody on their team because we went to all-girls school. And they had spent weeks practicing for this event. Like, they had two teams entered in the event. Like, they weren't the ones to tell us what it was because they were high-key so competitive oh, about yeah. it that they didn't want us to know what And they it was. were so serious. And the, I think only one of their teams broke to finals. And they got, like, fourth place. And they were so mad because they had spent literally, like, five weeks practicing like 30 minutes twice a day after school like each week and we just showed up 30 minutes late to our first <laughs> round and said let's do it yeah it was wild oh so yeah so that I feel like that's a pretty good description of our friendship yeah and that's also a good description of like us. how we were in high school yeah I mean us in general we haven't changed much we have changed a lot but not yeah in that. we weirdly we've changed a lot but we also haven't changed at all exactly yeah hmm. suspicious deep damn wow. <laughs> I'm having another sip of seltzer <laughs> I'll drink to that <laughs> cheers cheers <laughs> yeah no I feel like since from middle school till now, I feel like the banter we have is the same. <laughs> it's just our lives that are wild. <laughs> this is true. Now we're like pretending to be adults, kind of. Yeah, no, like I teach kids. Yeah, it's pretty nuts. I'm mm-hmm. in law school. I still think that was a mistake. I think they accepted the wrong person. No, I feel like that's <laughs> not only because you're speaking at MIT multiple times. It's true. I've accidentally convinced these people. I know stuff about outer space. <laughs> I don't. That you didn't explain to me. You um, never told me how you got from talking about your lawyer stuff. I don't even know what it is. To being asked to be on a space committee. Um, so basically what this was, was we were talking about like outer space, um, the artificial nose and like business and law. 
Yeah, no, like a casual Tuesday. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so <laughs> it was like this MIT class. So they have like all like these like scientists speaking. And then they have me and my boss asked me to grab on. Uh, my boss was the moderator, which was how he had asked me to do it. And he was like, oh, like, do you have any friends that you think would be good, would be interested? So I was like, yeah. So a couple of my friends joins too. And um, so we basically like at the very end, like there was like 20 minutes left. So it was time for like us five law students to speak. And... I still don't really know what I said. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. Sometimes I just word vomit and I'm like, shit, I hope that was good. <laughs> I had some notes I went off of. And I just kind of talked about how like legal education is like really backward looking. And I'm also getting my MBA. And so like it's interesting to me like business school is so forward looking. It's like, oh, like these are all the cool things happening in the world. What else can you do to innovate and like help that out and like keep the innovation going? And law school is like, please read this case from 1642 in England when these two men got lost at sea. So one of them ate the other. Is this cannibalism? (laughs) (laughs) And then like 300 years later, after you've read like 12 more cases, they're like, okay, so basically murder is wrong. And you're like, all right, like he could have started with that. He could have saved us a lot of time. So I basically just talked about that and how, like, the legal field just has to get to it. Like, we got to figure out what's going on in the future because eventually technology is going to move. We're not going to have new laws to regulate it. And then all of a sudden, the MIT, like, the smart people speakers, like, the experts the on space and stuff. Speakers. The experts on space are messaging me. They're like, oh, that was incredible. Like, shoot me an email. We have to talk about space. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, come again. Students are messaging me. Students in the class. And they're like, thank you so much for sharing your time today. Like, your thoughts were really insightful. Like, I'm really glad you came. Like, you made a lot of really good points. I'm like, come again? Like, I, I still don't know what's happening. So now all of a sudden, they want us to come back and talk again. So, like, two weeks later, I'm like, okay. Like, rolling up to my MIT Zoom again. Giving the same little spiel. Everybody's messaging me again. Like, wow, that was great. I'm like, guys, like... I just think we should stop learning about cannibalism in the 1600s. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing crazy. And Apparently now, it is. You're saying what <laughs> needs to be said. Yeah, so now I've gotten roped into a, I'm creating a full week-long conference with a book. <laughs> You're going to publish a book? We're all writing parts for this book. Holy crap. Yeah, and I don't know anything about space. <laughs> <laughs> That's the kicker. I've just fooled everyone. Wait, okay, so I want to actually talk more about, like, that. Yeah, go for it. Okay, so can you give me a dumbed-down version of your spiel about law versus business? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so basically, like I said, like, I'm in the JD program as well as the MBA program. So it's interesting for me because I get to see classes the way it's taught in the business school and the way it's taught in the law school. And so like I said, the law school like is all very backward looking. You're reading old cases and they're trying to tell you about the law and the law is like all very behind. But business school is like, oh, like this is going on in the world. It's like, can you think of anything else to change? Like and keep innovating. So business school is like all focused on like moving forward, like new inventions, like new ideas. And law school is just focused on like what happened in the past and so like what the laws are now. So basically there's like this huge debate like in the legal field basically about re-legislation versus reinterpretation. So like this like I have a lot of problems with the Michelle Carter case specifically because of this because I believe the Michelle Carter case was wrongly decided. Hot take I know. 
Give a little background about the Michelle Carter. Yeah, so Michelle Carter, she was this girl. She was, I think, 17 maybe, and she convinced her boyfriend to kill himself. So he was in the car, and I don't know if he, what he had set up, but it was going to fill with CO2. And she's on the phone with him, and she knows this is happening. And at one point, he gets out of the car. And he's like, I'm not going to do it. She's like, you have to. Like, it's too late now. Like, you have to go through with it. Like, you're going to keep thinking about it. And convinces him to get back in the car. And he subsequently dies. And now she's texting everybody, pretending she doesn't know what happened. And she's like, oh, has anybody heard from, like, so-and-so? Like, I haven't heard from him in a while. Like, I'm getting worried. And his family's, like, reaching out to her. And she's like, oh, I have no idea. And so they find his body. And so they end up finding her guilty of, I believe it was manslaughter. And so... The reason I have a problem with this, it went all the way up to the SJC. So I watched a lot of the SJC pleadings while I was in class. And my problem with this is the legislature, which is like the actual written law, is all based upon her being there and her being like in his physical presence to like force him to do this. And so it was never written to accommodate text messages because it was written so long ago. So the SJC, and that's what her attorney argued. He was like, he argued a lot of stuff, but that was one of his points was like, she wasn't there. She was just saying this. Like it was just her word. She wasn't there. And so while I think what she did was very morally reprehensible, I also think that according to the letter of the law and according to the case law, she wasn't guilty. And the problem is sometimes judges especially get so caught up in the morality of things and like, oh, like that wasn't moral that they forget that something can be immoral, but it can still be legal. So basically, this is where the whole reinterpretation versus re-legislation comes into play, is they reinterpreted that law. Instead of saying, no, she's not guilty, that doesn't fit into this statute, and then turning around and kicking the legislature to now make new law, which by, by making that decision, they now open the door for any cases that have that type of text messages to be found guilty. Because the case law now says, well, this statute was interpreted to say this. Do you think that those types of laws should be rewritten? That's what I think. So I think that because my problem then becomes all of a sudden you're legislating from the bench. Which there's a reason we have three different branches of government. You have the judicial and the legislature are separate. And so I think that it should stay that way. And so basically with technology like moving forward and all this type of stuff, I think that what we should be doing is even if lawyers don't necessarily understand the technology or if the technology isn't fully developed, I think that the legislator needs to go ahead and start putting in like provisional legislation regarding this technology, like regarding AI, regarding all this type of stuff, regarding space, whatever, to at least get legislation out there. So that way if cases come up in the meantime, we're not reinterpreting the old legislator because then that becomes legislating from the bench, which isn't the point of the bench. The judge is supposed to interpret the law, not rewrite the law. And so I think that we need to just kind of keep up with the legislature more and keep passing new laws as technology develops instead of waiting for something like the Michelle Carter case to come along and for us to realize, oh, that law doesn't work and for the judges to say, eh, maybe it does and just make it work even though it doesn't. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So that was kind of like my big spiel. See, now I understand why they keep asking you to come back at MIT. <laughs> that makes sense to me. <laughs> thank you, thank you. As someone who has absolute, absolutely no background in law, that makes sense to me. <laughs> thank you, thank, thank you. you. I'm trying my best. <laughs> but, but yeah, so those are my big thoughts. 
So I think lawyers just need to hop on it. And I think they need to restructure legal education. So what about that? So I think that we need to restructure legal education because it's very much focused on like the Socratic method, which is reading cases and you learn from cases and stuff like that. And so it's interesting, like uh, my classmate Jackson, he made a really good point about this too. Like business school, like the business world is so collaborative. Like you do group projects, you work with each other and then you go to law school and it's wicked competitive. Like everything's on a curve, like only like 5% of the class can get an A or whatever. So it's like, you're like, oh, like I don't want to help that person because if they do good, then maybe I might not do so good. But then you're like, well, I want to help them. Like they're my classmate and I want to see them do well. So I think that they need to restructure legal education to be more like a traditional classroom setting because I understand that as lawyers, what you do in the field is often like reading case law and figuring it out. So I think there should be some of that. But I think that for teaching like the basic courses, like you should literally teach it instead of waiting for the students to like figure it out. And then be like, oh, no, that was wrong. Ha, ha, ha. And not telling them the right answer. <laughs> That's what I think is really thrilling. <laughs> they love when we're confused. <laughs> yeah. No, I can't really speak to law school, but, like, I can speak to school. Yeah. The whole point of education and, like, everything that I have ever been taught in my education classes is pose a question, let them try to answer it, and then you have to model how to find the correct answer. So it's not just giving the answer, but it's also modeling how do you work through this thought process when you are posed with a question. Yeah. So it's interesting that they just give you a question and then don't do the whole latter half of teaching. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, They're like, oh, so what happened in this case? Give me the facts. What was the decision? Okay. Did you get a rule from that? No? Okay. Next case. And you're like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, cool. That's the relation. <laughs> yeah. And I understand it's very different. Like, I teach fourth grade. But again, I pose a question in the beginning. Because the way that we have, or what we call it is, um, we have little mini seminars. And mm-hmm. we call it that. So it's in the beginning of the class, we pose a question, we tell them, like, your target today is by the end of this lesson, you should be able to do this. So today, one of ours was, today I will collaborate with my group to research background knowledge on my historical fiction book. And so they know going into the lesson, okay, I'm going to find background knowledge on our book. The question I posed is, if I give you this sentence from the book, and it was like we're reading number the stars and so um i just said um i read this one part about them not having bread and not having coffee and so i was just like do you have any context for that what do you think of just that one sentence and they're talking they're like maybe they're dairy free like maybe (laughs) they don't want to have caffeine (laughs) like Maybe they only drink almond milk. And I'm like, no. (laughs) And I was like, okay, now if I tell you that this story takes place in 1940 in Denmark when there was a Nazi occupation and supplies were really limited to people, does that change how you think about that sentence in the book? And then they talk with their groups again and they're like, oh yeah, like that makes a lot more sense. I don't think they had almond milk back then. (laughs) And they talk about it a little more and then they get there. Yeah. And then I'm like, okay, so now we understand why it's important to research. Now here are some resources. Each of you is going to pick one. You're going to research, and then you're going to talk as a group. This is on a very baseline, introductory level because they are nine. 
But it's interesting that you are studying law, which is vastly important for you to understand (laughs) if you're going to be a lawyer, and they're not taking the time to necessarily explain it to you the way that it... And I understand law is different. Like, there's no one way for it to be understood. It is to be interpreted. Yeah. And part of the Socratic seminar is that you develop your own ideas and opinions, which is important. But also, it would be nice (laughs) to know that. Yeah, there's not necessarily, you're not there as a teacher to tell them what to think, but you are there to guide them to find answers. Yeah. Like, you gotta lead them to water before you ask (laughs) them to drink. It's true. (laughs) It is true. (laughs) Yeah, it's a wild ride, honestly. Truly exhilarating. (laughs) (laughs) Well,. That's interesting, though. Yeah, so that's what I'm accidentally building a whole conference on for MIT now, is, like, technology and how the law is going to have to play into it. That's pretty cool. Yeah, so it'll be it'll be exciting, maybe. I can't wait for you to be a space lawyer. <laughs> Me either. First lawyer on Mars. Looking at you, Elon Musk. <laughs> Send me up there, please. Listen, apparently he doesn't know how prenups work. No, that's Jeff Bezos. Yeah. Earlier today, Gabby was saying she wants to marry Rich. I said, well, Jeff Bezos is single and he doesn't understand prenups. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Truly iconic. Never forget when he was the richest man in the world. And then he got divorced. (laughs) (laughs) Tough hit. A tough hit. But I don't feel bad for him. No, not at all. I'm more impressed by his wife because then she was the richest woman in the world. Which, honestly, good for her. Also, doesn't she, didn't she donate, like, billions of dollars? I think so. I think she's, she like, like, a good person. She got, like, $62 billion in the settlement, and then she donated enough money that she instantly became the most charitable woman <laughs> in the world. Yeah. Like, that's pretty awesome. wild. I love that. He's stepping down as CEO. I feel like that's a good thing. Oh, yeah. So I'm going to apply. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm highly qualified. I mean, you have been speaking at MIT. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> they can't tell me no. I think that's more qualifications than Jeff Bezos, so. I, that's definitely more than Jeff Bezos yeah. had. So that's pretty thrilling. Oh, <laughs> I also got a package from them today, so that was thrilling. <laughs> I also did. That's where the microphone that wasn't working is from. Dang it. We miss you, Gary. <laughs> I'm sorry, Gary. You do deserve better. You are beautiful. Gary's really cute. Also, for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, I put a poll on my Instagram as to whether or not you should be, not you, my mic, <laughs> as to whether or not Cassie should be called Gary or Hank. Um, no, as to whether or not the microphone that I use should have a name and if that name should be Hank or Gary. Um, a very select but very niche group <laughs> said Gary. I said Gary. <laughs> the majority said Hank, but when I looked at who said Gary, it made a lot of sense. <laughs> so I got a mini microphone for when I interview people, but we tried making it work today, and Hank, I think, has a superiority complex because Hank's audio was really loud. And, very loud. And Gary's was not. So we're just trying our best, you know? Trying to think of what other exciting things we've done in our lives. Well, that's the thing is, like, usually the episodes, like, have a point. (laughs) (laughs) Damn it. (laughs) 
I don't know what the point of this one's going to be. It's going to be good. <laughs> I'm excited. I don't know if we have a point yet. <laughs> 47 minutes later, and we might not have a point. <laughs> really? <laughs> Truly iconic. <laughs> I think that our point of the day is to grab that second beverage. <laughs> Okay. And saddle up. <laughs> what are we saddling up for? The rest of our lives. Oh my god. Okay. I feel like we just at this point. Okay. <laughs> Let's just keep talking. <laughs> There's nothing else we can do. So here's the deal. We talked about Ursuline. We were gonna have a hot take about Catholic school, but I feel like no one cares. Yeah, we could keep like, going. If anyone's interested, I mean, let we, us know. We have like, some crazy stories. Okay, so <laughs> we could talk about Catholic school, but I feel like it's nothing that people don't already know. Like, it's weird. Mm-hmm. Um, they do make you go to confessions. It's you true. You do have nuns for teachers. You do have to go to mass. You have, you have yes. to wear these hideous green blazers when you go to mass. Wool blazers, girls would pass out, still were mandatory to wear. Very thrilling. If you forgot one, you had to be one of the first ten people at the office because they had ten extra ones and you had to pay a dollar to use it. Otherwise, you were getting detention. Which, um... I always kept like, two in my locker, though. Am I wrong to say that's capitalism? Is that not capitalism? Oh, that is capitalism. <laughs> <laughs> that is capitalism. I don't need to sound it. like a socialist. <laughs> is that not capitalism? Just share the blazer well. <laughs> We're 12. <laughs> Give me the goddamn blazer for free. This is true. You're the one who says I have to wear it. Why do I have to pay for it? This is true. That and it, is capitalism. <laughs> I do think one of my favorite Earthside moments, though, is um, I used to have... So, after, like, our seventh grade, the skirts changed from wool to, like, a polyester blend. And it's good that they did. <laughs> Let me tell you, you wore that wool for too long and there was holes in it because it was wool. So, <laughs> I was one of the last people that still had a wool skirt. It was, like, a hand-me-down from a girl who had graduated a couple years prior. And so, that was my favorite skirt because it was, like, the most comfortable. And it was just good. It had, like, an, an elastic waistband. Some of them didn't. I didn't like the ones without the elastic waistband. Anyways, I digress. So, I had a lot of food some days. <laughs> well, like first food. of all, <laughs> complete side note. We would have bagels every day. Oh, Yeah. Because they Cookies. had <laughs> they had really good bagels at the tea room. We and didn't have a cafeteria. We cookies. had a tea room. Oh yes. Um. So in the tea room, great bagels, great cookies. We would indulge in those every single day. And when we Did were in we seventh grade, in sports. No. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for asking. People usually gained weight when we go to, when you go to college. We both lost a significant amount yeah. because we were not eating the tea rooms, bagels, and cookies every single day. We used to go to Cadoba after every, school every day. day. Like, we knew all the workers. Willie was our homie. Willie and Helena, they'd hook us up. We'd walk oh in. Helena knew our orders. She'd start making the burritos. One Willie time would I was ask having a days. really bad day. I was feeling a little sick, and Willie literally made tortilla soup and brought it over he was like just sit down i'm gonna take care of you that is how often we went to a chain cadoba yeah people didn't believe us and we'd be like oh like want to come they'd be like yeah like sure like you guys don't go that much and then we'd walk in and helena would be like oh my god hey cassie hey gabby like let me get your burrito started like did you bring a friend tonight <laughs> literally 
And honestly, they did not believe we had other friends mm. until we brought them to the Cadoba. Yeah, and we'd have like our other friend in there, and I'd be like, oh. 3.30, manager's going on a smoke break. And they'd be like, what? And be like, just give it a second. And all of a sudden, the manager would go out for his smoke break. <laughs> <laughs> and then they'd be like, so how often do you come here? Like, literally every single every day. day. But yeah. Oh, but yeah. So anyway, so back to the story. <laughs> so the skirt had holes in it because it was wool and it was old. So um, that's the other thing about, like, Catholic all-girls schools. We all wear shorts under our skirt. So I was like, whatever, like. Still do. It was the only skirt that I had. So I was like, whatever, I'm going to keep wearing it. Like, I'm wearing shorts and it's all girls. Like, I'm not concerned about anybody seeing my butt cheeks. (laughs) (laughs) So then my homeroom teacher was, in fact, concerned about people seeing my butt cheeks. Was this Miss? Mrs. Dempsey. Oh, okay. So Mrs. Dempsey, I love that lady too. Another gem. She's like, Cass, you can't wear that skirt anymore. It has holes in it. Like, I can literally see through the entire thing. Like, I know you're wearing shorts. But I can completely see through your skirt. She's like, go down to the office. They have a bunch of extra ones. So I'm like, all right, like whatever. So I mosey my way down to the office. And um, Dr. Muldoon, our vice the principal. Love of my life. Incredible human being. We love her too. Uh, so she's like, oh yeah, she's like, I have an extra one. And I put on this extra skirt she has. And it basically goes down to my ankles. And I look at this woman and I say, Dr. Muldoon, this will not do. And she goes, <laughs> she goes that's fair. And I'm like, <laughs> I can't do it. She goes. She was a reasonable woman. She was. She's an I mean, icon. She is. She's still alive. She is an icon. She, I just her. don't think she works there anymore. I don't believe so either. No, she was on Jeopardy once. Pretty was crazy. She really? Yeah, before she was at Ursuline. Yeah, pretty nuts. And so she's like, "Oh, like I have a sewing kit if you want." I'm like, "Yeah." I'm like, "I guess I could sew, but that will take a long time." And she's like, "Yeah, I know." She's like, "You know how to sew?" I'm like, "Yeah." She's like, "Okay, like we could try that." And then we go to start thinking about trying that. We decide no. So she pulls out her stapler and she goes, <laughs> she goes, what length you thinking? <laughs> and I show her where I want it, which is like a reasonable length. Like I wasn't like hoeing around the academy. <laughs> it was very reasonable. It just wasn't at my ankles. So we stapled my skirt up. We spent 30 minutes stapling the hem of this skirt so it wasn't down to my ankles. And then for the next two weeks before I got an actual new skirt, Every time I sat down, those staples would stick into my legs. And sometimes I would bleed. <laughs> oh, I loved it there. <laughs> I feel like it was definitely a para like it was a parallel universe. Oh yeah. It's like it's crazy because sometimes I'll be like telling stories about high school to like people who I didn't go to high school with. And that'd be something that, like, I thought was normal, like, that. Like, me being like, oh, yeah, like, I needed a new skirt because, like, mine was, like, see-through, like, filled with holes. Like, so my vice principal helped me staple up the hem. And other people are like, can you say that again? (laughs) And I'm like, what? And they're like, that doesn't make sense. They're all, like, telling stories about, like, how, like, we all hung out in, like, the senior lounge, like, doing this, whatever. And people would be like, oh, like, they just, like, let you do that? And I'm like, yeah. They didn't let us do much, though. I feel like we didn't have rules. We, I mean, I feel like we did, but we did. There were a lot of unspoken rules. There were things like, like, you just do what the nuns say, even if it's absurd. Yeah, the nuns had rules, but the lay people didn't, if that makes sense. Yes, 100%. senior year, I probably averaged going to three classes a day, if that. Mm Mm-hmm. And... People were just okay with that. <laughs> My vice principal knew where to find me and she would use me as subs for classes where teachers were out. 
she'd say, all right, Cassie, like seventh grade math teacher's out. Can you go down and sub? I'd say, yeah, sure. While I was supposed to be in English class. (laughs) (laughs) Meanwhile, that same vice principal, so this pretty much sums up me in high school. Um, I did and still do stress bake, but I stress baked a lot in high school because I had anxiety. Uh, very relatable concept. <laughs> very often. <laughs> and so my vice principal would schedule her meetings around when I had exams. <laughs> so, because she knew that I would be bringing in like cookie. I, I stress bake, but I don't like to keep what I stress bake. I like to give it away. Like, cause she has too much. Because yeah. Like, she doesn't just like casual stress bake, like a cookie skillet once a week. No, like, no, no, no. Like she's I like, oh, I made three bake. dozen cupcakes and 12 dozen brownies yesterday. Exactly. So, like, I need to get rid of it. So I would bring it into school and just give it away to people. And then she caught on to the fact I was doing that. And she literally walked up to me one time and said, when's your chemistry test? (laughs) I said, Thursday. And she goes, great. I have a meeting in the morning. Can you drop off whatever you do at 7.30? And I was like... Is this child lady? <laughs> um, yeah, sure. Truly iconic. She's the most amazing woman. I would bake for her any day, even if I wasn't stressed. But it was very entertaining that she would choose her meeting times around when oh, I had yeah. tests. <laughs> she was incredible, though. Great woman. Yeah. Fantastic woman. Ursine was such a strange place. It was a strange place, but I feel like it was filled with, like, wonderful people. Yeah, like... I don't, like, and so it's weird, because, like, I tell people all the time, like, I absolutely, like, loved Ursine, like, loved to hate it, but loved it, but if I was in any grade besides our grade, absolutely would have despised it. it. And the administration will tell you the same thing, like, that's, <laughs> they will. that's they will. why we got away with so much, was because they, they loved our grade. Because not for nothing, our grade didn't have, like, I mean, we had our fair share of drama, like, every high school does even then like i wouldn't even but say our fair share that's it we had our we, we had, had our selection <laughs> we had our select cases of drama um but for the most part our grade got along really well we all did our own thing mm-hmm. we didn't really bother the administration we didn't bother our teachers yeah we were it's never like, doing anything like aggressively stupid yeah like we were never behavior problems yeah we were just like we were never stupid. scandalizing the school no we were just idiots sometimes yeah and that was that <laughs> and like we were all like i don't know like i wouldn't even say close with each other but like we all just got along like like Ursline was like the absolute best but just because we were in our grade yeah no i don't know if I would recommend a Catholic all-girls school to everyone. Yeah. But I think collectively, the people who we graduated with, for the most part, not everybody, but for the most part, I think people would recommend it if your yeah. experience was guaranteed to be like ours. Yes, I agree with that completely. Like, if if I knew that someone else would have the same experience we did, I'd be like, fuck a yeah. A thousand percent, yeah. It. Because I feel like it was good, too, like, for our grade. Just because, like, we all, like, liked each other. Like, we had a good time and shit. I feel like it was good for us because we could literally just all be ourselves and nobody cared. That's the thing is there was a, like, it's high school. Everybody cares a little. Like, yeah. everybody has their own things because we're all, like, we're teenagers. We're, we have our, like, little quirks, our little insecurities. But I feel like our grade did a good job of not projecting that onto other kids in our grade exactly like we were 
no, we were sometimes judgmental, but we usually we weren't definitely judgmental. were judgmental because we were high school girls. Yeah, and but <laughs> I think the difference is when we were judgmental, we'd like say it to your face. Yes, and, like, and that I okay that statement right there I feel like has formed every single relationship that I have had post high school. Yeah, I do not care if you're a bitch. So long as you are consistently a bitch to everyone. Exactly. I do not care if you are a psychopath. So long as you are consistently a psychopath with everyone. And as long as you say it to people's faces. That's my biggest pet peeve is people who pretend to be nice. And then the second you leave the room, they're like, did you see her outfit? Like, she looks awful. Or even the opposite. People who pretend to be really tough and then when they actually have a problem with somebody, talk to everyone but them. Oh my god, I hate that. That is my biggest pet peeve. I'm like, okay, you have a really big bark when you're not confronted with a problem. But the second you're confronted with a minor inconvenience, you run to everybody else. Those are my two biggest pet peeves with people. I agree. Like, I'm just like, if you have a problem with me, come and talk to me. Because 10 out of 10 times, we can work it out if you just come and talk to me. Well, but if you don't, then nothing's going to get resolved. Exactly. Like, you know my 48-hour rule. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So, this is the only piece of advice I feel qualified to give anybody because I feel... Wait a second. Uh, this is our point. This is the point. <laughs> this is the point. It took us an hour and two minutes, but we got to We've the point. We've reached the point. This is the advice. This is what you've been waiting for. Okay, so the 48-hour rule. This is something that is important. This is something I feel people should live by because it makes your life much easier. But you have to be genuine and you have to be honest with yourself for it to work. Mm-hmm. So the 48-hour rule states... And I say states as if it's written down somewhere. I made it up. Back to the legislature. (laughs) Get them on this. There should be a 48-hour rule in our constitution. It's true. Okay. The 48-hour rule is, say, me and Cassie, we get into a tiff. She says something, not even a tiff. She says something that bothers me and she is unaware that it bothers me. This is a very common problem that happens to a lot of people <laughs> on a weekly basis. Daily, sometimes. <laughs> Daily basis. Some people are Somebody extra sensitive. does something to piss you off and they don't know that they pissed you off. Or maybe they do know and they haven't said anything about it. Either way, you're pissed off. The 48-hour rule states you are pissed off. You have 48 hours to either address it with the person who has pissed you off or get over it. Because after 48 hours, if you don't address it, it probably didn't bother you as much as you originally thought it did. Or it's not as deep as you thought it was. Maybe it pissed you off for like a day. You thought about it. It got you a little riled up. But then by day two, you're like, eh, I was already in a mood that just put me in a worse mood. Whatever rationalization you want to give, that's fine. If it does still bother you after 48 hours... It is your responsibility to bring it up with that person or get over it. And here's why. If it bothers you that much that after two days you're still thinking about it, it's still eating you alive, you have to say something to that person. Maybe what they said isn't that big of a deal, but it's clearly affecting you. So it's going to affect your relationship with that person if you don't say something. That's your responsibility, not theirs. It is no one else's responsibility to read your mind. 
So the 48-hour rule is a great tool, but you have to be honest with yourself about if it bothers you or it won't work. You also have to be unafraid of being direct. Yeah, like you just have to be an adult. And I think that's like the biggest problem is like people are people get so like scared like, oh, well, like I don't want to offend them. Like I know they didn't mean it. And it's like, but just tell them that it bothered you because if you never say anything to them, they're going to do it again because they don't realize that it's upset you. And because they don't realize it upsets you, it's not their fault. No, that it's they on have you. Repeated this action. Yeah. Like I think that that's what's tough about I don't know if it's growing up or just having relationships with anybody, friendships, relationships, whatever. If you are not honest about what bothers you, nobody will know what bothers you. Exactly. I feel like everybody has this idea in their head of if they're my people or if they're my person, they'll, they'll know. just they'll just magically read my mind and understand my feelings. And so this is the other point. <laughs> We're just getting We're good. We're, it took us a while, but we got here. Took us to the bottom of our second drink, but God damn it, people, have we arrived? And have we arrived in style? <laughs> damn it, I think I forgot the point. Shit. <laughs> no, so this is the other point. So Cassie and I, very different. And sometimes, it's not often, people don't ask how we're still friends but people ask like how are you still that good of friends yeah because we have genuinely been inseparable since we were 12 literally and people one time in high school not to interrupt but gabby and i relate <laughs> to class with mrs curtis love of our lives incredible because <laughs> um, we were down in guidance like we were and we were just talking to guidance like just about like normal stuff and we get to class and so we were like 10 15 minutes late and we walk in and I go, oh, sorry. Like, we were, like, in couples therapy. Like, as a joke and nobody laughs. And Gabby <laughs> and I are, like, oh, like, whatever. So we, like, sit down. We were down. just, like, oh, like, the comedic timing was off. Yeah, we're, like, whatever. Like, they must have been talking about something serious. And after class, Mrs. Curtis are, like, hey, like, is everything okay with you two? Like, what do you mean? And everybody's, <laughs> like, yo, like, you guys were in couples therapy? We were, like, we were, we're kidding. Like, no. yeah. It was a joke. We went there to pet the dogs. Our guidance counselor would bring in her dogs. We were like, we just wanted to pet the dogs and talk about college. <laughs> like, please, leave us alone. It was a joke. But that's what we mean by inseparable. And I feel like out of high school, out of anybody in my entire life, I feel like we're the only two people who have been this inseparable for this long. And people are just kind of like, how? Yeah. Mostly because, like, first of all, we've been very good friends for a long time. That's like, pat on the back, good for us. But also, we're very different. Like, if you talk to either of us individually and meet us individually, you'd be like, wow, very different interests. Yeah. Very different, like, I don't even know. Like, we have different interests. We have different personalities, but not totally different. Yeah. I feel like we have... I feel like our interests are different. Our personalities are similar. But I feel like our personalities are, like, quasi-similar. As in, when we're together, they're the same. But if you meet us separately, you wouldn't think they're the same. But then when you see them together, you're like, oh my god, you are the same person. Yes. That's a good way to describe it. Where we are very different, but also in the ways that matter, we are very much the same. Yeah. Like, at our cores, we have, like, the same values and, like, we're just, like, we operate the same way. Exactly. And so I feel like the reason why, even though we are different, even though we have a lot of things that are very similar and we have a lot of the same values... 
the things that are different, we have been able to work past and stay as close as we are because anytime we have had arguments, which again are few and far between. Yeah, maybe like three in our entire 12 I years of friendship. I think we've had three fights in the entire <laughs> yeah, history of our friendship. literally. But we communicate when things bother us. Even if they're not things that have to do with each other. Yeah. Like, if Cassie doesn't answer my text messages for 24 hours, she'll say, hey, it was a crazy day, had nothing to do with you. <laughs> yeah, I'll be like, hey, like, this is what's going on. My life's a fucking shit show. <laughs> Anyways, how was your day? I miss you. <laughs> exactly. And I'll be like, here are the 18 other things bothering me, so if I seem off, just letting yeah. you know. Like, we're just very honest with each other, not in a way where it's, like, we're codependent and we have to tell each other these things, but in a way of, like, Just explaining, like, why we're acting different ways. Yeah, and I think that's because, I would say we're fairly self-aware people. Like, we have our moments where we're nuts, but I feel like that's everyone. And we know we're being nuts. And we know we're being nuts. (laughs) (laughs) I say this all the time to my boyfriend, I'm like, you can never say I told you I wasn't crazy. (laughs) Like, I told you from the very beginning, I am insane. (laughs) So that's on you for dating me. (laughs) Exactly. And I feel like that's how it is in our friendship, too. Is I'm like, I know I'm being irrational, but I need you to just listen to me, validate a little bit of what I'm feeling, and then we can move on. Yes. If I'm having a bad day, tell me I'm pretty, tell me I'm right, and then correct me tomorrow. Like, that's it. Exactly. And if that's what I need, that's what you do. It's true. (laughs) But I feel like that is because anytime we have had problems... We've just talked about them. Yeah. Like, instead of me going, oh, my God, to, like, my other friends, as if I have many other friends. (laughs) (laughs) To our other thousands of friends who are all listening to this podcast right now, I'm sure. To to my other five friends. (laughs) Instead of texting them being like, oh, my God, Cassie is pissing me off so much. I'll just be like, Cassie, you're pissing me off so <laughs> yeah. much. And, and I feel like I'll that's huge. Why. Like, people are always like, oh, communication is key, but nobody does it. Exactly. And it's like, once you start doing it, you're like, fuck, why haven't <laughs> I been doing this my whole life? And I feel like everybody is so nervous about offending one another, and I'm just, in my mind, any genuine friend is not going to be offended by you explaining your feelings. Yeah, like, I'm going to be a lot more offended if you're going around telling everybody else, like, oh, Cassie did this, and I'm really annoyed. Then if you just come to me and you're like, hey, Cassie, like, it really pissed me off that you said my foot was ugly. And I'll be like, okay, that's fair. (laughs) I didn't mean it like that. I was kidding. I didn't realize you were so sensitive about your feet. Not going to do it again. You feel better. I know not to say going forward and we can move on. But if, like, three weeks from when I told you your foot was ugly, everybody's being like, oh, shit, Cassie, like, I hear you're a foot hater. I'm going to be like, what the fuck? dude like just talk to me and now I'm gonna be pissed that you didn't just talk to me if it's not addressed directly and promptly it's on you just as much as it is them exactly that's the basis of the 48 hour unless like the only other time because I have to do this sometimes because so like when some if something like that really pisses me off happens like I get too emotional and so then I get way too angry and stuff gets said that shouldn't get said so what I'll do in those situations, because you still need to communicate that you're upset, is I'll be like, hey, like, I'm really pissed right now. I'm not going to talk to you about it because I need to work through it in my head. I'll talk to you in a few days. And I'll accept that too if people do that, because at least you're letting them know that you're upset 
and you're not just sitting there simmering in it like you're working through it I agree I feel like the 48 hour rule isn't everything has to be resolved within 48 hours you just have to hours. give them notice yes you have 48 it's like a statute of limitations <laughs> yes exactly this is your expiration date yeah you have to at least tell them that you're upset by that point you don't have to yes. talk about it but you just have to be like hey look I'm upset I'm still working through it I'll let you know as soon as I've worked through it on my end and then we can talk. Exactly. You have to at least assess and address your own feelings about it. Assess and address? Beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) That'll be the name of the episode. We love the alliteration. (laughs) (laughs) That's what you gotta do though. You have to say, okay, how am I feeling about this? Am I still upset? Address why are you still so upset about it? Is it Mm -hmm. a fundamental crack in that relationship? Or is it just something stupid that happened that made you upset? Or is it even just like a you problem? Like are you like hormonal and having a bad day? So they told you that you had a pimple and you started crying? Like Yes, sometimes that happens. It happens. And it, that's it why you give yourself 48 hours. <laughs> yeah. That's why it's not a 24-hour rule. It's a 48-hour rule for a reason. Sometimes you need a day to just be pissed and irrational. And then the second day you're like, it's not that deep. Yeah, exactly. But sometimes on the second day you're like, maybe this is a little deeper than I thought. (laughs) (laughs) And it needs to be addressed. Mm -hmm. And like I said, you can even put them on notice and then give yourself a couple more days to work through it. Mm -hmm. But you gotta at least give them the notice. Yeah. And I think that that is why... Our friendship is great. Not to be like, oh, we're the best friends ever. But we are. (laughs) (laughs) We're good at being best friends. (laughs) It's true. I would like to just state, the reason why we are good at being best friends is because anytime we have had a problem, we address it directly with one another. Yes. Nobody else gets involved. And that's why people think we don't fight. I mean, we don't really. Yeah, like I said, maybe three over the last 12 years. That's a pretty good... (laughs) Yeah. I would say that's a good ratio. Yeah. I give it a 10 out of 10. (laughs) But, like, I think that that's something that even your best friend of five, seven, ten years could do something that really upsets you. They're your best friend, but they're not your mind reader. Yeah, Nobody is. Exactly. Even after five, ten years, you still need to have those moments where you're like, hey, that hurt my feelings. Here's why it hurt my feelings. Please don't do that again. Yeah, and I think the other reason, too, that we're still really good friends is that Gabby and I are both very good at taking a step back and objectively assessing the situation, and we're both able to be like, yeah, we were wrong. And that's a huge thing too is like I feel like a lot of time people's ego gets in the way of being like, oh, like I messed up. Mm-hmm. But like it's important like if Gabby comes to me and she's like, hey, you said this and I didn't like it. Instead of just automatically being on the defensive and assuming that she's attacking me, like taking a step back and being like, oh, she's my best friend. She's telling me this because she wants to work through it. And looking at it like from her shoes and being like, okay, what happened in her eyes? Okay, would I have been upset if somebody did that to me? Yeah, Probably. Was that wrong? Yeah. Was I thinking about it when I did it? No. And then I'll go back to her and be like, hey, I'm sorry. This is what happened. I wasn't thinking and I understand why you're upset. And also just coming from a place of we are such good friends and I'm sure that if you are using the 48-hour rule, it's not with an acquaintance. (laughs) (laughs) Acquaintances don't count. (laughs) You're not walking up to somebody you see every other week and saying like, hey, two days ago, you really pissed (laughs) me. You're like, you know, it's not that deep. But 
when it comes to a friendship like that or when it comes to addressing somebody you really care about and talking about something that bothers you, it's important to know if you are addressed in that situation, the person who's talking to you is talking to you about it because they value your relationship and because they want to continue having you in their life in a healthy way. Exactly. And they want to move forward. They don't want to be stuck in this whole angry state. Exactly. Instead of getting completely absorbed by whatever the situation is and letting it affect your friendship or your relationship, they're saying, I would rather have an uncomfortable conversation and a better, healthier friendship than not have that conversation and just have this awkward looming cloud over our head for an indefinite amount of time. Because there are certain things where people are like, I'll get over it, I'll get over it, I'll get over it. And you don't. And you don't. If you don't talk about it, it just builds resentment. Exactly. And then, like, the smallest thing happens. Like, you'll have had years of these, like, medium-sized things. And then all of a sudden, one day, you're wearing a red shirt. And they're like, oh, like, I think you look better in purple. And you're like, well, I hate everything about (laughs) you. And I wish you were dead. (laughs) And, like, that's what people don't understand is, like, you have to let it out a little bit at a time. Otherwise, one day you're just going to... Exactly. And everybody has their little quirks. Everybody has their little annoyances. It's not like you need to point them out all of the yeah. time. But when And you something... can even say, like, when you're addressing it, like, hey, like, I know I'm being sensitive, but just so you know, this bothered me. Yeah. It's perfectly okay to throw yourself under the bus, yeah. too. And say, like, I'm fully aware I'm not perfect, but this is something you did that affected me (laughs) yeah exactly like I've sat down multiple friends before because I care about them and said like hey I don't know if you realized that this was hurtful to me but it was and if you want to continue being close friends you need it's almost like reaching a new level of your friendship yeah like makes it stronger yeah I oh my goodness did it stop oh no it didn't oh it's still going (laughs) No, but it's almost, sorry, my computer looked like it was sleeping, but it's just because we've been talking for over an hour. It was thrilling. Um, <laughs> Exhilarating. But it's almost like reaching a new level of your friendship because everybody always talks about in a relationship when, like, you have your first real fight. They're like, oh, it's like a milestone. You have your first real fight. Like, you finally address the little things. Like, you finally get past that honeymoon stage. Friendships also need to get past the honeymoon stage. I think we're still in our honeymoon stage. Well, we are. Thanks, Dave. Appreciate you. (laughs) No, but friendships also need to get past the honeymoon stage of like, oh my god, you're so cool and perfect and pretty all the time. Yeah, I have lots of friends who are cool and perfect and pretty, but (laughs) (laughs) I've also had conversations with those friends before saying like, hey, you did this wasn't really cool would appreciate if you didn't do that again like yeah. I don't know if you know this about me but that type of behavior really bothers and upsets me yeah those are important conversations to have because that's us saying we're not just surface level friends you're somebody who I consider a close friend which means I do expect more from you but in order to expect more from you I have to lay out those expectations yeah like, exactly I think that that's where people get into this weird gray area of friends who aren't great friends, but you keep them around, or are they a bad friend, or am I just not communicating clearly? I think that's where it gets so confusing, because if you don't tell them what you're expecting of them, how are they supposed to magically meet your expectations? 
That's not just the case in a romantic relationship. That's the case in any relationship you have, whether it's a friendship, whether it's a workplace relationship. You can't have people meet your expectations if they don't know what they are. Exactly. And you can't just expect them to like guess and figure it out because then they're going to get frustrated and then they're not going to want to be your friend anymore because they don't understand what you expect. Mm -hmm. And the biggest excuse I always hear from people, and this isn't to say that this doesn't happen, but it's to say like you have to take some ownership over it is when people say, well, I've been such a good friend to them and they haven't been this, like they don't do the same things I do for them for me. Okay, have you asked them to do the same things for you? Have you assessed who they are as a person and said, can they meet my expectations? Yeah, that's the other thing is like, with friendships, you have to make sure that you actually keep your expectations reasonable. Because some friends just aren't meant to be your best friend. They aren't meant to be there for everything and that's fine. Exactly. Like there have been friendships where I'm like, okay, let me take a step back. Look at who this person has shown me who they consistently are because everybody says like I'm always here for you and you can call me whenever you want and I'll always pick up and I'll always support you 10% of the people actually mean it exactly so you have to take a step back and say okay looking at our history are they consistent are they consistent with what I need from a close friend and depending on whether the answer is yes or no adjust your expectations of them That was the biggest thing that I had to learn within the last couple years is there are people who I really, really love who I had to say, okay, I'm expecting a little too much of them and that's what's putting a strain on our relationship. It's not the fact that they aren't meeting my expectations of them. It's the fact that my expectations of them are too high. Yeah, and that's not like a bad thing. Like they're not a bad person. Like people just have other stuff going on and like sometimes people can't handle too much and you have like granted like the bare minimum they should be able to do (laughs) (laughs) but like you can't expect everybody to be at your beck and call all the time just because they're your friend like lowering your expectations isn't a bad thing it's a healthy thing and it doesn't mean they're a bad friend no it just means that they're not gonna be like your backbone for everything which they don't have to be exactly and I think that like having expectations for your friends is not to say like it's not a grading system You don't get a pass or fail depending on whether or not you're my best friend all the time. There's a reason why you have different relationships with different people. And so there are some people where I have the kind of relationship with them where I talk to them almost every day. And that's great. And then there are other friends where I have the expectation of I hear from them once every three to four months. And that doesn't change how close I consider us to be. Yeah, like I have friends that I talk to like every three months. But when I do, it's, like, not a day has passed. Exactly. And at the same time, like, even if I can only talk to them, like, every three months, like, they're bad with their phone, I'm bad with my phone, whatever, I still know that if I needed something, they're going to be there for me. And that's the important part. Exactly. Like, I wouldn't consider some people who I don't talk to on a weekly, bi-weekly, even monthly basis, I wouldn't say, oh, well, they're not a good friend because I never hear from them. Because my You have to recognize that, like, they're busy. Like, they have their own lives, too. Exactly. And our... Our relationship is not the type of relationship where we have to talk every day. It's the kind where we check in for the important things. Or we check in every couple of months to say like, hey, how are you doing? Or I saw this and it it reminded me of you like I wanted to just check in and catch up. But 
you don't have to talk to them every single day for them to know that you are an important part of their life and for you to know that they're an important part of your life. Exactly. But I think that that takes a certain level of... Maturity. Yeah, on both ends. Yeah. It has to be both of you feeling secure in that relationship because there are some friendships where, like, maybe I think oh, it's great, like, we don't talk every day or we only talk every so many weeks and, like, it's great, I consider us as close as we were when we were talking every day or when we were seeing each other all the time. Maybe they don't see it that way. Yeah. But if they don't tell me that, I don't know that. Exactly. And I feel like it's important sometimes, too, like, if you do talk to somebody regularly and you feel yourself, like, slipping because you're getting busy or, like, like, one of my friends, Trisha, I talk to her, like, all the time. And every now and then I have to send her a text being like, hey, sorry, I haven't been ignoring you for the last three weeks. Like, I've been crazy busy. And she's like, oh, like, no worries. Like, I knew you were busy. But, like, thanks for saying that because you know I needed to hear it. And I'm like, yeah, like, I know that. Yes. And, like, that's the other thing, too, is, like, being proactive and, like, not only, like, what you expect your friends to know that you need, but, like, remembering what your friends need to hear from you. Yes. And, like, just making sure you're assuring them, like, hey, like, I'm not mad at you. Like, I'm not ignoring you. Sorry, I've been crazy busy. And they're like, okay, I knew that, but thanks for saying that because I did want to hear that. Yes. And that's, like, that's just the mark of a healthy friendship where yeah. you can say, oh, little, like, buzzer goes off in your brain. I remember, I'm sorry that I have not been as present as I know that I usually am let me remind you that's not on you. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's taking ownership over even the smallest of things that you might be doing wrong. Not in, like, a neurotic sense. Yeah. Not in a sense where you're, like, paranoid all the time that you're like, oh my god, I spent 12 hours. Exactly. (laughs) Not like, oh my gosh, I haven't texted you in two weeks, I'm sorry, I'm the worst, blah, 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 blah. Not that. But, like, oh, okay, I recognize it has been longer than usual since I've checked in with this person. I should probably send them a little message, say hi, ask how they're doing. Exactly. And I feel like that's huge. That's really it. That's the key to life. You're all welcome. (laughs) Thanks for tuning in. The meaning of life (laughs) is the 48-hour rule. Just. It's true. Tell people how you feel. We're geniuses. You want to know the truth. I mean, (laughs) you said it, not me. It's true. (laughs) I can't believe that we found a point. I know. Two of them, I think. I think there was two in there. Was there? I think the 48-hour rule is the point. Was it? <sighs> We're going to have to listen to the tapes. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes we have to review the footage just to keep ourselves on track. So, are there any last words that you have for, <laughs> for my small audience? Bitches ain't shit and <laughs> shit ain't nothing. Under motherfuckers can't tell me nothing. <laughs> Um, I can come up with some actual thoughts. <laughs> I'm going to have to rate this with explicit content. <laughs> oh, yeah. So anyways, back to my thoughts as to um, my conclusion. <laughs> so in conclusion, folks, communication is simply key. People say that all the time, but nobody actually does it. So it's time for you to just step up and do it. You'll be a lot happier for it. Everybody around you will be a lot happier for it. And it'll really just change your life for the better. Like, start communicating and you'll be like, holy heck, what's been going on? And I think you'll notice a really positive improvement in your life. All right. I like it. 2021, it's about the follow-through. It's true. It's all about the follow-through. Yep. We know what we got to do. Now it's time to follow through. It's true. 
That rhymed. I liked it. Thank Beautiful. You. Poetic. Wow. All right. 10 out of 10. So now we're going to end our podcast the way that Cassie and I end every interaction, which is mildly concerning to others, but wildly entertaining to us. We have fun. All right. It's, it's been real. It's been fun. But it hasn't been. Real, real fun. fun. We'll Catch talk you on to the you. flip. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. See you later, guys. Goodbye. I'm gonna push this back a little more.